that was beautiful though that was pretty good it was, <laughs> the tone the tone was great Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm Erica. And uh, welcome to our Misogynist of the Week podcast. Just off the top, I'd like to remind all of you that we do have merch at redbubble.com slash people slash bad and bitchy. Uh, also, if you've been listening for a while, we'd love it if you would support us. And even if you're new to our work, um, we do depend on your support. We have a Patreon set up at patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. Um, anything you can uh, support would be greatly appreciated. And uh, just a reminder that we do have a weekly column in the Hill Times. So if you're not a subscriber to the Hill Times, we do post all of our columns on our website, badandbitchy.com. And uh, otherwise, you can read us on the in the Wednesday night edition or Wednesday day day edition of the uh, hill times and finally we're on social media and our contact info is uh in the description of the episode so hopefully we can uh, get social all right eric are you ready to get into it ready awesome so this week for misogynist of the week uh we're gonna call out the fuckers at nbc um and uh, we're gonna talk about a few of the uh the newest iterations um, and revelations in the uh, Me Too saga around Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer uh, that have uh, been uh, in the media lately. So this month, uh, Ronan Farrow published his new book, Catch and Kill. Um, it details his work on high profile stories that were at the heart of the Me Too movement. Um, it kind of got us off um, on that path by pointing out um, all of the things that had been I, shielded and all the perpetrators that had been protected, starting first, obviously, with the big Weinstein story, Harvey Weinstein story um, back in 2017. And so he writes in, in his book about how, how that happened and how all of all of the ways that a lot of media, including NBC in particular, tried to quash those stories. And so he talks about those uh, that his his experience as a reporter. I've yet to read the book, but uh, and at first I thought I wouldn't. But uh, honestly, I think Ronan has done really excellent work and the way that people in power have been so resistant to him and to the book itself, which we'll get into, like has <laughs> inspired me to read it more. Um, but it, Pharaoh has accused executives, including the NBC News president, Noah Oppenheim, of knowing about the allegations against Matt Lauer, but failing to do anything about them Um before they fired him in November 2017 when the story broke. Uh, Pharaoh's version of the events uh, is that the NBC executives ordered him to stop reporting on Weinstein's alleged behavior because Weinstein had threatened to expose allegations against Matt Lauer. And they also weren't willing to pursue the allegations against Matt Lauer. So, (laughs) I mean, it's just wild. Wow. Yeah. And as you know... Did they conjure this up in the steam room of Equinox or something? Like... Yeah. (laughs) Uh, a visual I did not want. Um, so Lauer, as you know, was uh, accused of uh, raping an NBC staffer at the 2014 Winter Olympics. And then, uh, you know, of course, other allegations followed. Um, and Weinstein, of course, has more than 80 ac- women accusing him of um, of uh, sexual violence and, and all manner of sexual violence. So, But nobody knew anything but, about it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so Pharaoh's uh, account is that they all knew, but one, they, but it, it was uh, blackmail and all sorts of other things. And, oh, and sure. obviously yeah. NBC not wanting to let go of their um, lead anchor, um, Matt Lauer, who, you know, I mean, I, 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 
I, I don't understand what Matt Lauer had. You know, I mean, I think you see these networks make a big deal about they, they have the, their lead personalities and they build a brand around them. And, mm-hmm. you know, CBC, CBC mm-hmm. and Gian Gameshi and was what was that? And there do you wa- know that today is the five year anniversary? I, I do know because one of the fabulous women who came forward um, with her story um, posted about it, um, uh, Lucy Dick Couture, and she she posted saying you know five years today cbc fired gameshi pushing me to speak out about violence against women she was uh, someone else who had been uh raped by uh gameshi but wasn't the the woman who had was raped but worked at cbc and she said i didn't know this would slash my psyche to so deeply that i would lose friends um you know quit her job but build an entirely new community and use my voice uh and guts for better things it's been tough 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 is in cap locks but um you know like really important not to lose sight of what that's been but yeah i mean five years honestly like a wild and seems like you know we're still working through a lot of the same shit over and over again Mm -hmm. um so just to finish off uh this uh the the pharaoh story um so the nbc president um and the the president of the news and and frankly all the executives at NBC seem to be very adamant about denying these allegations uh that Pharaoh raised uh, and then last week NBC announced that it would release former employees from non-disclosure agreements so when they uh specifically well I'll just read this statement any former NBC News employee who believes that they cannot disclose their experience with sexual harassment as a result of the confidentiality non-disparagement provisions of their separation agreement uh, should contact NBC Universal, and we will release them from the perceived op- from that perceived obligation. As Amy reads, so um, it's not that these these individuals would be people who would have signed an NDA because something did happen, and that they were given a co- you know a settlement of some kind. These are folks who are former employees. You sign a non disparagement gr- uh, you know agreement on your way out, whether you fired, retired, or whatever. You sign these agreements, I guess, with NBC, and so that's why they say perceived obligation because potentially people feel that they're silent because of what they had signed. Um, interestingly, uh, only they've only addressed former employees. So the time you'll recall, there's a Times Up uh, organization that was developed to advocate for women in, in media industry. Um, they have a defense fund, Times Up defense fund. Uh, to fight uh, the organization is the Times Up Defense Fund, but they do other things. But the Defense Fund is the big thing, and they said that they would extend uh, that they would extend legal services to current employees of NBC who felt that they may uh, need to kind That's of awesome. breach. And I don't know that they have NDAs, but they probably, of course, as all employees, do have some degree of a duty of loyalty to their employer that prevents you from disparaging your employer while in the course of your employment. So, you know. They're, they're extending, they want, and they were asking that uh, NBC kind of broaden what they're allowing people to do. Um, mo- most interestingly, um, you know, because of this contestation about what happened, it didn't happen between Pharaoh, Ronan Farrow's account and, and what the NBC uh, news president is saying. Uh, Rachel Maddow, for her, uh, you know, on, <laughs> on her own, went out and uh, verified Pharaoh's story, which is, great and of course it holds up and she reported on it also late last week uh you know rachel maddow is the highest rated most influential host on msnbc um 
she uh, she's amazing i've been watching her for years i like live for maddo's show this woman's um, a road scholar she's she's brilliant she yeah. hits hard she's um she doesn't take any shit she's, yeah she and doesn't. she's genuine she's like very intellectual about all of her work and she like really approaches it from like wanting to kind of challenge power and i she's was very, just about to, yeah like, she's you, very critical she's yeah, so yeah, she, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, she's a she's, very refreshing for yes. someone on a mainstream network um and she herself has she's kind of a history buff she's got all her own books out you know one on spiro agnew and it's like Let rachel mad out i i what a character i love her i encourage anybody who studies media or branding mm-hmm. or politics or whatever Watch Rachel Maddow's intros yeah. to her to her show. Mm-hmm. They in themselves are really like she's really good at historical storytelling. Totally. totally. And she's really good at connecting dots. Absolutely. And the yes. kind of dots that's one of the few, few um, media products mm-hmm. writ large mm-hmm. where that is done in such a. Um, a systematic way mm-hmm. so that you can follow mm-hmm. and she really does break down a lot of the inputs and impetuses um, of current events mm-hmm. in a very easy to digest manner mm-hmm. but just so so smartly and succinctly oh absolutely and um i mean she she does what some folks like I guess Oliver and um, Hassan Minaj kind of do in their longer um, shows but is able to kind of bring that to prime time and like in a shorter format but like be really analytical and relatable it is kind of YouTube-y well she just not YouTube because their shows are like investigative reporting almost I only say that because I watch I watch them on on YouTube but like it's it's meant to be yeah and just the idea that she distills really complex and and does more than just headlines but she does do a lot of um, what would be considered investigative almost analysis rather than just anchoring a news show and cycling through guests like she goes beyond on that which is awesome um in any case her own um her own uh you know journalistic rigor is applied to the story and she uh went on air and completely just backed up pharaoh's story and his work um and which is i mean just so impressive from someone who is currently the like a flagship personality on a sister network of nbc uh to do that um and, you know, she says that, um, you know, even her decision to book Pharaoh on her show um, was a powerful message. Um, or, you know, folks have said, like, even that's a message because he is kind of persona non grata there. And, like, there's a whole, um, you know, the way she describes it, she's like this, there are the building has kind of been shaken by what's by what's happened. People, there's a, the amount of consternation this has caused among the rank and file people who work here would all um, would be almost impossible for me to overstate. She says so. Like you know, this is what she she even herself as a journalist in the yes. organization is up against. Yes. Um, and uh, Ooh, she, she used that platform, boy. But so she, you know, she's she's kind. She she's she's uh, sort of lent uh, her own kind of credibility. Not that Ronan Farrow is not credible, but just like co- coming from within the organization, he's challenging to say a lot. I I gotta say, um, Ronan Farrow. Just as an aside on Ronan Farrow, he is a great example of when nepotism does work successfully. <laughs> yes, that um, that's part of it. Which makes him perfectly placed to challenge power, right? Yeah. 
Um, but also, the fact is, is that this guy is, I feel like he's just using everything that he has to fulfill a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a purpose for mm-hmm. him. And, like, he's founded, he's rocking it. He's still influential, even if NBC bosses don't want him to whatever, whatever, whatever. So, I I feel like it's interesting to see how Ronan... Ronan Farrow is developing his own sort of sense of power, mm-hmm. even though he has privilege, has kind of lost the establishment power, right? That he would be just, um, he would have inherited um, from, you know, his mother and father. Yeah. And he's like turning that on its head to challenge power and kind of building his own sense of his own influence Mm -hmm. right so um i just i i find that just a very layered exercise and influence and power and politics and and media and just a very interesting look um but and i should say well i mean but i think too like you you see how much even despite where the story went and how much i mean first of all was published in the new yorker so The first story was in the New Yorker, right? The yes, Weinstein story yes. was in the New Yorker, and then yes. the next breaks the story were in the New York Times. But his he piece, won a he won a Pulitzer. Was, he won a Pulitzer yeah. for his piece in the New Yorker. So, you know, what's interesting is that despite everything, even with hindsight, NBC is still doubling down. It's not that this is, and and then that makes you think too. Like, what are the? How are they treating their staff when they come forward? How are they treating oh, people like with trash. less power who come forward? And oh, I like think, trash. Like, yeah, no doubt. And now it's like. And it's even more terrifying to see how um, like how they, they can responded. ruin people's lives, mm-hmm. and they have. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't want to. So I'm going to go back to the the Jean Gomeshi quote that you read mm-hmm. just a little bit earlier. I don't think people realize how much these things destroy a life, mm-hmm. destroy your potential. It destroy. I mean, if you can pivot from it. That like that yeah. makes you strong and all that, but the 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 abs the the way that people are treated in the labor force mm-hmm. writ large. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you love your mm-hmm. boss and your boss is great. Mm-hmm. Try step outside of those parameters that that company yeah, yeah. has set for you, yeah. and then we'll see how great your boss is. Mm-hmm. And that is the material totally. point. We talked about how, so we talked this week, earlier this week, if you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to this week's episode because we talked about financial inclusion, which I didn't expect to talk about, to be honest. Um, But we talked about the power the banks have and the power they have to actually prevent an individual from accumulating their hard wealth from their hard-earned money, right? And we've talked, and so I don't want to, understate how influ- how powerful these institutions are and because they're not public institutions they are not accountable this in in a democratic way like public institutions would have to be mm-hmm. so I guess what I'm saying is like this obviously this is taught we we always talk about systems of power and so on and so forth but I, I just wanted to highlight the fact that power doesn't exist in a vacuum. 
it has the potential to ruin multiple lives at scale. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. Not everybody turns out like Megyn Kelly. Mm-hmm. Right? The yeah. other thing, too, is that NBC um, is uh, has a streaming service coming out. This is not a good look for them, given that they have a streaming service coming out and it's already a competitive landscape. I don't know why any anybody would would actually pay anything to have an NBC streaming service, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only so much Friends I can watch. I don't care if it was not on NBC. I don't care. Like, don't fact check me on that. because It I was. It was? Yeah, I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, there yeah. you go. So... I really don't care. I don't know who would buy this. I don't know why I would spend my money. I already have to pay for like Netflix and Crave and blah. Why would I want to pay for NBC? But anyway, be be that as it may. Um, one of the things that we were talking about on break was that there are levers. So we we're talking about Facebook and we we're talking about um, Facebook and them uh, one of their biggest sort of risks is alienating a user base, right? NBC alienating a user demographic mm-hmm. such as women, millennial women, is real mm-hmm. with this with this mm-hmm. with this story. And the story keeps playing out. It keeps getting layered. It keeps getting it keeps getting press. Yeah, two three years on, which I think is wonderful. Because it keeps them in that space. Mm-hmm. It keeps them connected to Matt Lauer and how they behaved. I mean, look, I, I think NBC is a behemoth. I think it'll take a lot to um, make them feel much of this, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, you know, they may still feel it in, in some in smaller some ways. Smaller yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, like... The f- it's funny to me because they've already they could have taken a totally different road. They did. Uh, this they is did all release their Matt Lauer yeah. from his contract. I don't know. They there's the, the also the allegation that how much they paid him out and if they paid him out and they you know they denied the, the various figures. But the very least they, they got rid out. of. But they got rid of him. Yeah. So he's gone. They could use that to say, look, we're we're it's a new leaf. Where where you know mistakes happened in the past, like and just like try to move on. Yeah. From it. But they they've obviously doubled down, and I guess that they, there is some degree that if there's any admission, um, and that other people were put in harm's way, that you know, their irresponsibility created mm-hmm. a liability for them. And frankly, they're liable regardless, because you know, anytime you have someone who is your employee, I mean, now, you know, the, obviously the degrees of recklessness on their part in- escalate, mm-hmm. and now it seems like they were frankly quite reckless um, in shielding this person. But That's you right. know, yep. I think. The sooner they own up to that, the sooner they can save themselves from even more humiliation if, you know, when people come forward and the public display of it all. But, yeah, and, uh, and getting rid and, you know. But I, let me just say, too, that the way that they sent out, put out this statement saying that former employees are released from any perceived obligation. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting because I think. The tone of that to me reads like they don't think that there are people who are going to come forward, um, which is kind of well. That's why they did hilarious it, right? to me. Um, and so they did a risk assessment on this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, but I think that's rooted in a lot of ignorance. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, it's it's hard for people to come forward. Yeah. Um, the new CEO, the incoming CEO of Times Up, uh, Tina Chen, had. Uh, posted a little bit about this. Um, she she said she's calling it. She's calling on NBC to tr- 
to uh, truly commit to uh, letting survivors and employees speak out about sexual harassment at the network and, um, you know, announcing unequivocally that folks can speak out free of any fear of retaliation. And she says, you know, there's no reason to place a burden on those who choose to speak to reveal themselves in advance to NBC by having to come forward because that's what the original statement says. You have to go to them and present yourself. Right. And then they'll they'll release you oh. um, as opposed to p- saying everyone. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, exactly. Like um, how paternalistic is yeah. that? Well, and it's an example, as she points out, of how it burden um, burdens that this is a kind of burden that would perpetuate fear and silence. Um, no matter what new policies and trainings may say, you know, this doesn't set exactly the right tone. And she goes on to say, you know, NBC Universal must also commit to an independent outside investigation into all circumstances surrounding workplace culture at NBC, journalistic decisions made at the important news at this important news outlet. Um, and of course, you know, it's workplace harassment is hidden because too often people do fear uh, retaliation. Um, and, and, you know, it, people aren't uh, folks affected are clearly hearing what, you know, Oppenheim and others at the NBC are saying publicly as well. So if they right. see that the, you know, folks at the upper echelon are you know denying any uh, any culpability and denying the allegations they're probably <laughs> like they're not going to get much and why even bother and all of this and that mm-hmm. um it's great that things like the times up defense fund exists you know things like that and that you know they're probably well endowed because of the nature of who's involved in times up i think it's really great that times up is doing what they're doing with the defense fund and coming forward and i think you know these things have to be um, you know, it, it's great to have that sort of um, support through an organization, obviously legal support. I think a lot of the women who are impacted, they're going to see what the NBC heads are saying and see the denial. And, you know, it's not the kind of thing where you just go and feel free to report to your boss, seeing what they're saying to the public. Um, so you do need that support, especially that legal support. But, uh, you know, I think it just kind of keep in mind that most people won't have that same opportunity, you know, to have uh, a Time's Up defense fund that's endowed by celebrities, you know, um, and, and has, all, you know, all these resources at its disposal. Um, you know, obviously unions do that kind of work. I mean, I think the best argument for unionizing is that you're getting a defense fund. Yeah. Whatever happens to you, you have yeah. your legal fees paid for. A lot of people don't think of it that way. But honestly, it's like a form of access to justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of workers obviously are not unionized, wouldn't have access to these types of things. And sexual harassment complaints and bringing those types of complaints forward um, you know, in, unless you bring them through the human rights route and represent yourself, it's really hard to get legal aid uh, for those types of cases. Oh, really? So, yeah, you have to fill out an application and find a lawyer who will do it and they have to apply for a legal aid certificate. And there's a lot of hurdles in getting that funding. And obviously that funding's been slashed in Ontario by the Ford government. But it's just uh, yeah. tough to think about. Like, yeah. if, you know, this is a a heightened exam not heightened in, in but it you know it's a high profile example involving a very rich company and a class of workers that have a high profile even yeah. though they may not be well paid right. they they you know are kind of getting the support through um other folks in the me- in the broader media industry which is one of the more successful quote unquote industries right these aren't people working on a factory floor or people right. who are daycare workers or exactly. people who are shift you know, workers shift, yeah shift prepared. workers yeah yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah. anything else right yeah. and i mean you know even 
there may countless workplaces you wouldn't even think of, including the federal public service, where people <laughs> don't feel you know comfortable coming forward in some some. I spaces, wouldn't call. Right? So, I wouldn't call that the safest environment. Yeah, let's just so, put it that way. It's been an interesting week um, because, incidentally, through all of this, we've also had the. Um, weird reemergence of Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, like like Jabba the Hutt just reappeared and I don't know what happened and I was just like, wow, you still look like Jabba the Hutt. But anyway. So essentially what happened was that Harvey Weinstein was in an audience at a comedy show. So it was a comedy <laughs> night for young actors. I'm sorry. Can I pause and just talk about the irony of Harvey Weinstein at a comedy event, especially when we're talking about Me Too and Time's Up and comedy and so on? Okay, I just wanted to put that I mean, there. like, someone needs to point that out to him because I don't think he gets it, why he shouldn't have been there in the first no. place. But it, it was specifically an event, like, catered to young actors and performers. So that so makes young it women. interesting. And one of the women who's a comic who has up. Uh, at the bar, at this bar in Manhattan, um, uh, I guess last Wednesday, um, she was doing her stand-up set. She spotted him. She called him out, um, you know, in her in her routine, um, you know, as you do doing crowd work and whatnot. And Weinstein, who was there with like a bunch of people, which I'm like, why would you still be friends with this guy? But okay, like how Jeffrey Epstein of him, yeah, of them. Yeah, Weinstein, um, you know, I guess was yeah sitting in this this booth with a bunch of folks, and anyway, audience members started to boo uh, the comedian, and I think people you know had said you know offensive things to her, yelled out things to her uh, from the audience. So the audience wasn't even on her side, which I think is also alarming. Um, and you think that this is an industry show happening in New York? What like did all she of say? that gives me pause. Why well, she, she just booed? she she pointed him out, and people booed her. People booed her. Yeah, yeah. And then Who there was the another. Fuck is sitting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, never they're mind. industry people. So never that, mind. That gives <laughs> yeah. You- that's something to think about. Um, and then there's another audience member, another woman who confronted Weinstein at his table and asked that he leave. Um, and there were people took video of this and it was posted on Facebook. And instead, security of the bar t- like asked this woman to leave um, and then kicked her out, essentially. They kicked out yeah. the comedian because... No, the the woman who approached Weinstein at his oh, table asking him to leave. And then she oh, and the comedian and both sh- left. Oh, yeah. okay. See, um, yeah. So the venue is called Downtime Bar. It's in Manhattan. Um, they confirmed in, that this more or less went down in a, in a, on their Facebook page. Um, and uh, yeah, they said that they had asked a member of the audience to leave. She was asked after several requests to stop heckling is what they say. And we kindly asked the heckler to leave. She wasn't a heckler. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the comedian says she like walked in. She did a triple take when she walked into the venue. She saw Weinstein seated with a group of people. um, And she said the environment seemed welcoming at first. Um, None of the performers before her commented about Weinstein's presence. Um, So she decided to use part of her set time to do it. Um, It's so funny because like people make such a big deal. All these white comics about how comedy has to, you know, 
take risks and push, you know, make people uncomfortable and all of this stuff, except but for, you know, obviously rich old white dudes who are rapists sitting in right. the back of the room. Right. And like the fact that the the audience reception to this is, is again, very I would alarming. like to know where are all those people with, with, with this comedy is dead energy supporting this comic? Yeah. Where's all that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, reps for Weinstein are saying, look, like he just wanted to be. He out. still has reps? I don't know. He's or, still maybe represented it's like people, people who know him. I don't know. But people are giving comments on his behalf, essentially. The media is saying, like, he just wanted to have a nice time. He's just going out, get some peace and quiet. Like, yeah. So now, because because his night does not turn out the way he thinks it should it's somebody else's like i yeah it's wild i I mean like you are you're a public figure okay yeah you're infamous not famous infamous but that's your own doing yeah so why should everybody else have to bend over backwards to make these people mm-hmm. feel comfortable? Well, and it's also like the event and the people who put this on, you know, who, so the woman who, who went invited up, this guy, the woman who went up to the table, her name is Zoe Stuckless, and she has a Facebook post, too, that you can read with her account of the night. And uh, Zoe Stuckless says, um, you know, tonight was one of the most surreal nights of my life. I went to an event called Actors Hour, whose mission and statement is to empower emerging art. This is a quote from, I guess, this Actors Hour site. This sounds like an about me. To create an open space for creatives who share what they love. So I guess open space for who, whatever. And then she, she, you know, she says, after a while, a friend of mine pointed out a man sitting in the booth. It was Harvey Weinstein surrounded by a cadre of young women and two bodyguards. And there are photos of it. And there are indeed young women who are around him. That's his his entourage. He wasn't hiding. He came out to watch young artists be vulnerable on stage. The show started and no one said anything. At first, I didn't think it was him. There was no way. But then a comic got on stage, and that's the the comic who um, we mentioned earlier calls him out. And um, sorry, I just went to Kelly uh, Bachman is her name. That's the comic. If you want to go, you know, see what she said about it and also, like, I don't know, give her a like or something. Like, what the fuck? This is terrible. Um and she's like a comic mentioned it on stage and called out to the crowd to address the quote-unquote elephant in the room and as soon as she alluded to his presence in the room the event organizers the bartenders and a number of others booed her in silence so that's who was booing and she continued her set stunned into compliance i was sitting there the more that i sat there waiting for the event organizers to kick him out or for another performer to call him out or for the audience to revolt, the more I found myself paralyzed by silence. He was sitting there, allowed to laugh and clap and drink and flirt, and no one was saying anything. The more I sat there, the more furious I was at all of our interaction. I thought about all the voices that have been silenced over so many years. I thought about the artists and women who are uh, paralyzed by the same fear that I felt, surrounded by colleagues who are intimidated into a culture of silence and passivity. This room was a microcosm of our whole community, and I couldn't sit there and let him laugh, so I spoke up. I was kicked out of the bar that night, or tonight. His bodyguards herded me out. The event organizers were happy to see me go. In some way, and it's interesting because the bar itself says their own security asked her to leave for hackling, so that's oh, wow. kind of interesting. But like... I guess he had his bodyguards and also the security of the bar on his side. Um, In some ways tonight, 
uh, was horrible. Painful reminder of the man in power like Weinstein even hold the power that a man like Weinstein even holds now. It was a reminder that even in this time of relative awareness, it is hypnotically easy to be pulled into a culture of silence. However, it is also a reminder that our voices have to be so much more powerful when we stand together. Um, or ha- the power our voices have when we stand together. When I left the building crying out of a fury and frustration, I quickly sur- was surrounded by a group of mostly women who expressed the same fear to raise their voices that I had, and they thanked me for speaking out. Our pas- passivity is poison. We need to stand together and we need to speak up, and our poison will fester and only encouraged by our fear. Um, I think it's like a really beautiful statement. I think the fear part is one aspect of it but i think the power is even a bigger thing and the fact that he has goons there and that like all of that and the physicality of what safety means in that moment is also huge but i think it's really amazing that she spoke up um and i just yeah she's right it is like a it was a very illustrative kind of encounter about how quick people were to demonize the two women who spoke up and so quick to protect this guy and you know that now He's got over 80 accusers. He's, you know, and named in, you know, he's, it's not that he's been charged. So he's, you know, even the, even the argument that none of the, it's like his, these are very serious crimes that he's accused of. And a lot of it, we know more or less happened. We're not that we're waiting for some sort of, you know, actual conviction, not that we should, but like the space too, that he also still felt confident occupying. And it's so funny because so many people still say, well, what about Lauer and and Weinstein and their careers and their lives? And it's like, well, they seem very confident, you know, finding women, uh, spending time with people to go out in public in Manhattan, I'm not, you know, like, fuck them. You know what I mean? They're not that, they're not even that uncomfortable despite everything that happened. That's alarming to me. Well, thoughts and prayers for the predators, I guess. So I just want to pick up on um, this feeling alone Mm -hmm. part. Um, When you speak out, usually you're on your own. Mm -hmm. Because I will guarantee nobody else has the gumption to, uh, to stand up in support of you. Either I've been... I remember being comedy is really bad for this because I remember being at the Wellington eatery. I think it was like in, was it 2017 or 2018, 2017 Wellington eatery. Mm -hmm. There was this comic name. I think his name was like Jamie Villeneuve or something. And he started attacking black women. And I was the only black women there talking about how we have AIDS and how, yeah. And how we need to like go back to Africa and all sorts of stuff. And I spoke up and there was silence. There was Mm. nobody else. I was the only black woman in the room, Mm. by the way. So all white spaces are treacherous. Yeah. Um, And no white person is going to like very few white people are going to put themselves out there to defend you. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Ottawa, I would say very few black people, too. Mm hmm. You are on your own. Mm. So um, so that also goes into the calculations yeah. you have in that in those moments when like there's a moment when you hear something and then you're li- and then you process. Yeah. And then you're like and all of these thoughts go through your head. Like, do I say anything? If I say anything, am I going to get back up? And you look around the room, no backup. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get somebody saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're right. Mm hmm. 
but um it, yeah i think it depends on the space um and but definitely yeah. it's and comedy is treacherous yeah it comedy really is, is pretty treacherous i think yeah it just depends who's in the room like yeah. you know i was at an event a few months ago um without getting into the who and what because i think there's a lot of confidentiality confidentiality around that event but it's, it was a law event and that's all you need to know where someone was on a panel um a white man and and made a lot of very racist remarks wow and everyone was just kind of and this is like a progressive space and everyone turned around and looked at each other and it was like really uncomfortable and um there were people in the room who were directly kind of targeted by the racist remarks that he made and they white people at their tables were looking at them just to see how they were it was like a very awful space Mm -hmm. but even though it was a room full of progressives and lawyers like no one in intervened until myself and another young woman went up to the mics and and like called this guy essentially like his comments racist and like asked him to apologize he kept doubling down and it kind of threw off this whole event into another way but it did allow a lot of folks who were um people black people and people of color kind of to get together and create their own like we created our own sort of space space yeah. and within the space yeah, yeah which ended up also being more work because we were like fuck yeah like, we have all these things we got to do and then like we're the ones who are taking it on right um so that was intense but like necessary but that you know so i mean there are, I, you were in a white only space so it's different yeah um in terms of also the nature of the remarks so yeah. like clearly there's a connection to how people responded to them mm-hmm. um and same with this is like a racist incident and and they see the, the people who wanted to scene, respond were yeah the taking it's, it up were people of color the auto comic scene is very racist and it's yeah. very misogynistic mm-hmm. and it's very transphobic mm-hmm. but i do think like it is there is still value in being if you can, being a person who breaks slides, it might not be in the moment, it might not be confrontational. Right, right, right. Um, but writing to organizers after the fact or right. like writing publicly about what happened, if you can, um, or even anonymously is sometimes enough. And we've seen even how some of, you know, folks coming out anonymously and unnamed has still been really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the woman who spoke, to Weinstein directly with his bodyguards there like I don't know if I would have felt even safe confronting well, someone like that that's the other thing physically right? scary yeah. right so um, I don't think anyone should ever put themselves in harm's way but mm-hmm. there is a lot of power in breaking through silence and, and it, it's interesting because as a lot of us I think do it's really easy to fall into passivity and to doubt yeah. yourself and to think like there was a moment where you're like am I, do I believe what I'm hearing okay well like no one else is saying anything like fuck like well i guess like we'll just deal with it later or whatever right you rationalize and yeah you go through all these emotions and emotions right so it is hard but uh yeah. i think it's uh really powerful when you can kind of break through that it's just you might not you might still find yourself isolated so we shouldn't sh- sugarcoat it either yeah yeah i'm not gonna pretend no, that, no, no no you know and i don't think that we should you know and it's not like you know these women it's now not easy. they're like being the dragged said. online yeah they were kicked out and like yeah they found a small community at the end of the night and they found each other and there will be people who for whom this story means a lot um that they spoke out and all of that and it shed light on something that you know a lot of us weren't aren't tracking Weinstein's whereabouts yeah. but now we know he's confident as fuck to walk into any space yeah and be protected still. yeah so that's good information um but uh yeah it's not it's not an easy path to walk it it's not and um i i would just say 
I would also say, like you, like you said, um, there is power in confronting it in the moment mm-hmm. because, uh, and I'm not saying this to PO, to people of color for whom everybody looks, everybody will I eventually look terrible. at you. Yeah. All the white people will look at you yeah, yeah, as yeah. though it is your responsibility yeah. to guide them in what, you know, into being their bigger vance of racial understanding or, or sexist understanding, whatever. Right. And so, um, that's an extra layer of work that people of color have to endure. It's it's an extra layer that we have to endure. The other thing, too, I was going to say is that um, uh, this discomfort and somebody saying some shit, people of color, will happen to you. It's inevitable. You will be in a space there will be white people. They, especially progressives. Honestly, progressives are the like they're the worst. I swear, in in this sense, all the right language, but never standing up for that language, mm-hmm. and that's my problem. So, anyway, adventures in racism and sexism yeah. and and safe spaces. I also want to mention this too, and I'm going to end on this. We. When we have mental health discussions, these things never come into the picture. Mm-hmm. But this is also a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. These yeah, microaggressions huge. are huge mental health huge, issues. Huge, huge, It is something that we ignore. We put, we sweep it under the rug because largely it is the establishment responsible for perpetuating it by their complicity. You know. I'm sure people would have a lot more mental health, would have a lot better mental health if they didn't have to deal with microaggressions or showing up in spaces where their entire humanity is being questioned. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's my last piece. All right. Well, I I think that does it. I mean, look, like NBC is really fucking doubling down on their terrible approach with sexual harassment, sexual violence in the workplace. Weinstein is Roman free. Um, you know, there's it's not a, it's not a great day. Um, and the work our work is uh, not done. So uh, on that cheery note, I think that does it for this week for misogynists of the week or misogynists. There's a lot of them, and they're a lot in uh, position of power. So uh, let's let's topple that patriarchy. Yeah. All right. All well, right. Bye. bye.